I say that to start this message by making a statement. Every great work, every great person developed a vision that changed their lives forever. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We've been on a journey the last few weeks in this series. Uh, oh yes, voting. Ne- don't don't folks. Uh, next, uh, the 30th is your day to vote in uh, in the primary election to get your voices heard. You need to vote. You need to vote. You see, well, Pastor, they're both bad, folks. You need to vote, okay? And you you, you know. You need to vote. <laughs> it is just, this is, um, that's all I can say right now. That's all I can say. So in your bulletin, if you, uh, if you have your bulletin, you're going to have a set of notes. I encourage you to follow along. Part three of this message series that I've titled A Journey of Hope. And I told you last week that I've kind of got a series inside the series. Last week I taught on passion. And that, that passion is the root and the fruit of vision. Well, today and next week, I'm going to teach you how to find the vision that God has called for your life. Uh, and I ask you very purposefully to listen uh, carefully and diligently to the words. You have notes in front of you as much as I could possibly give you. But I tried very hard to leave an outline for you to look at. So we're going to jump right into this and believe God to help us. By opening the eyes of our understanding. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, British missionary David Livingston. I've shared this this message, this uh, not this message, this uh, story before a few years ago. But David Livingston, he's one of the greatest missionaries to the continent of Africa. Well, David Livingston was listening to uh, another missionary by the name of Robert Moffat concerning Africa. And Robert Moffat said these words. He said, from where I stand, I can see the smoke of 10,000 villages who have never heard the name of Christ. That day, there was a vision birthed in the heart of David Livingston. In tracing the Zambezi River, he traveled some 11,000 miles on foot for the sole purpose of spreading God's word throughout the continent of Africa. And it was his, his uh, Africa, his dedication and his heart that won the heart of the African people. 
In the latter years of his ministry, he was racked by disease, attacked by wild animals, menaced by hostile tribes, robbed and abandoned by his own carriers. Yet the Bible says with his Bible in his hand, or the, the stories tell us with his Bible in his hands, he marched on. This guy had a reason to quit. This guy had a reason to say, well, God, maybe this isn't exactly what you had in mind. Yet he pressed on. He pressed on until his body could press on no more. And then history records on May 1st, 1893, David Livingston was found on his knees in the, per, the position of prayer, praying for the people of Africa. We, we can only assume because we weren't there at the time of his death, but he was on, in a position of prayer in a crude, obscure hut in a village, all because David Livingston had a vision. Matter of fact, as you read, you can read through Google, you can go out and find all the stories, the, the truth of these stories. Because his heart was so dedicated to the African people, when they shipped his remains back to England, the African people asked if they could have his heart because they said his heart belonged to Africa. And they buried his heart in that great continent. I say that to start this message by making a statement. Every great work, every great person developed a vision that changed their lives forever. Vision. But it is a vision still the same that causes many to do what they can't and still what others won't. Let me just kind of give you a little synoptical thought of what a vision is and how it's seen. A vision is literally the way somebody thinks. It's what they believe. It's how they operate. A man or a woman that have a vision, you can't deter them. They are, they are set with their eyes like flint. The Bible talks about Jesus, how his eyes were set on Jerusalem. The Bible talks about Paul, how his eyes were set on Macedonia. Well, I want to take you to the eyes of a man that saw things that his servant couldn't see, even though his servant lived with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. First Kings chapter uh, 18, we find the, the recording of a man by the name of Elijah. And we, most of us know the great battle that had taken place. Elijah was on the top of Mount Carmel and he had the 400 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the grove. And they were all having this battle. And we know the mockery that was there because the, the false prophets were all calling on their gods, their, their, their god Baal and their other gods. And, and Elijah's saying, hey, go ahead, call on them. I'm going to go over here and sit down for a while. So they're calling out. They're crying. They're cutting themselves. They're bleeding. And Elijah's over in the corner saying, maybe he's sleeping. Yell louder. Elijah is telling them, maybe he's on vacation. Elijah is mocking the false prophets because they're serving a false God. Let me tell you something. If you serve anybody besides Jesus Christ, don't look for an answer because it isn't coming. It isn't coming. Elijah was there. And Elijah was not a very popular guy at that time because three and a half years earlier, God had spoke to him and said, prophesy that there will not be a drop of rain on the whole nation. And there wasn't. He was not one of the most popular guys in town because they knew he was the prophet of God. They knew he heard from God. They knew that he had visions from God and directions and passion and purpose from God. 
Well, he climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and he bent down to his ground and put his face between the knees. God had spoken to him and said, go and look towards the sea. Because God is bringing the rain. The servant, listening to his leader, went out and looked. And he came back to Elijah and said, Master, there's nothing there. Can I tell you something about somebody that knows what they know what they know? we got the Olympics going on right now. I've watched some of these uh, things. I haven't watched any of the things, but I saw some of the YouTube clips. And I remember this, this one picture of this girl. She's doing the hurdles. And I don't know if it's the 100-yard hurdles or if it's the 5-billion-yard hurdle. I don't know what it is. But maybe you saw it. She's sitting there and she's, she's moving her hips back and forth and she's doing a jig and, and, and she's, anybody see that on Facebook and different? It's going to look really strange because I, I can't move quite like Pastor Philemon. He can, he can do all these things and I don't have the, I don't have the agility he has. He just laughs at me. So anyway, anyway, so she's up there and she's moving and she's dancing and, but you see her eyes are resolute. Her eyes are focused, and the actual cap- caption of the statement says, this is the picture of somebody that knows that they know what they're doing. Amen. And I encourage you to go out and try to find this one of the Olympic girls, and, and uh, I'll remember she was dressed in blue, and she, she was like a fire going down that. And she won. She won. But she was there. She knew exactly. You know what? A person of vision, they see the finish line before anybody else does. I don't care if the finish line's in vision. They see it. It might be around the corner. They see it. It might be over a hill. They, it might be down a valley. They, but they see it. And this little girl saw that as many of the Olympians that are out there. Well, Elijah told his servant, go look and see because Elijah already saw what God was doing in his eyes. And the Bible says he went seven times. And seven times the servant came back. Or six times the servant came back and said, I saw nothing. Elijah said, go again. I know it's there. And he went out. And the seventh time he came back and he said, Master, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah jumps up. That's it. That's what God showed him. That's the vision. That was the purpose. And then Elijah told his servant, go tell Ahab. Hitch up his chariot because the rain's going to stop him before he gets down the mountain. And the clouds begin to move. The sky began to grow black. And the, the wind rose and the rain became heavy. There's something about a vision. There's something that is birthed in you that's burned in you. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It captivates you. You may have to over and over and over get somebody to see. See, Elijah's servant would have given up if Elijah hadn't kept after him. As a pastor, one of my, my greatest passions and my greatest desires is get you to see what I see. That you could do what you have never done. That you could go where you've never called. That you can become what you've never become. All because I see something, I believe something, and you can go do it if I'll just stay with you. The servant couldn't just see what was in Elijah's heart. But Elijah saw it. Elijah 
helped him to see the vision. To help him make it his. Make it his. This is the same thing that I want to do this morning. The same thing with you and me. We must see what we believe before they'll believe what we see. Let me say this again. We must see what we believe before they'll believe what we see. When my wife and I, God prodded us to to begin Victorious Life six years ago. A lot of people in Flagstaff, I met with other pastors and said, well, Flagstaff eats up and chews out and spits out churches. You know, there's lots start and lots fail. No, I don't, don't think. A lot of naysayers, a lot of people. You know, we're going into this new facility and, you, you know, some might say, well, I'm not quite sure that's what you should do. But there's no other options. It's amazing how we can be told what we shouldn't do, but nobody will tell you what you should do. See, like Elijah... As a pastor, I have to keep the vision before you that one day you will see what God has placed in my heart. It may first appear as a faint glow, as a little cloud rising up in the east, but it will rise in your heart to bring a mighty overpouring of God's glory and grace into your life, so much so that you will sit back one day and say, Pastor, I see what you see. We got to do something. The first thing that I want to answer today is why do I even need a vision? Why do you even need a vision? Once again, you go back to the Olympics. Do you know those young people train almost all of their life because they saw gold a long time ago? They saw, oh, they see silver and bronze, but they're seeing gold a long time ago. They train their whole lives. Why do I need a vision? Because the Bible tells me in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, without a vision, people perish. You know why I need a vision? Because Philippians 2 verse 5 says, the same mind that's in Christ Jesus needs to be in me. Can I tell you something? The moment Jesus was born, his eyes saw the cross. Because the cross wasn't defeat for him. The cross was victory. The cross was victory. Just like that tomb you saw us standing in, in in the garden tomb. As we're standing in that place. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? The tomb wasn't a final resting place. It was just a stopping place on the way back to heaven to tell the devil, you lost, I won. Next. You see, we must resemble Christ in our life if others are going to see Christ in our life. For a person or a ministry to accomplish anything, they must have a vision. Let me start to break this down. What is a vision? Very simply, it's something beyond yourself that you attain towards. It's on the screen. It's something that's birthed inside of you. It's a hope. It's a passion. It's a purpose of your life. It is that one thing that keeps calling you, that keeps prodding you, that you continue to pursue. It is that one thing that no matter how weary or how frustrated or how aggravated I get, that I can't not do it. I'm like Jeremiah at times. I can't not preach because it's a fire burning inside of me. I've got to do. Somebody asked me when I was on a sabbatical, so preacher, have you quit pastoring? And I said, folks, you can quit a job, but you can't quit a call. There's no place to go. And some of you out there that are struggling with the call of God, the purpose, the passion, the pursuit, the vision of God, you might as well give up. 
It's going to be a tormented life at best. Well, am I going to still make heaven? Oh, I think you'll probably still make heaven, but you'll miss out on all the glory. I got one amen out of that. Why do I need a vision? Number one, it gives me something to live for. You see, long ago, I began to set my ambitions, plans, and desires second to God. And you know what happened when I did this? I saw Matthew 6, 33 begin to be fulfilled. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. You know what God's word promises me? If I'll put his first, he'll give me mine back. See, to do this, I had to do things. I had to grow. My attitude, my maturity, every facet of my life had to begin to grow. Do you know why? Because we are all narcissistic at best. We are all self-absorbed at best. We are all set on our own plans, our own dreams, our own uh, perspectives. Our natural tendency is to concentrate upon self-interest. Can somebody say amen? You know the biggest problem that most people in this building and around the world have in developing a vision is because vision costs and most aren't willing to pay that price. See, there is a vision that God has placed in everyone's heart. But it's not enough to leave it in their heart. You have to be able to spread it that other people can catch it. They have to be able to see what is in there. Another reason the vision is hard to establish and accomplish is because of people we associate with. You know, some of your greatest friends are your best enemies. Because they will deter you. They will distract you. They will cause you. There's some of you that at times have said, hey, I'm going to go to church today. Would you want to go? And somebody said, oh, you're going to church? Come on, I got something else on Saturday. Let's go to Lake Powell. Let's go fishing. I can't tell you how many men that I've talked to, oh, I spent my time alone with God on the fishing river. Really? Does God talk to you? Oh, I spend a long time with God in nature. It's just when they're there, they're never spending time with God. It's just spending time with them. A lot of people don't obtain their vision because others who are not like-minded. Because the reality in this world, we're affecting others or others are affecting us. Why do I need a vision? It gives you purpose of life. The second thing, what do I do to develop a vision? This is where I'm going to spend most of my time this morning, and hopefully I won't keep you too long. I have people that say, Pastor, don't worry about the clock. I'm going to take it off the wall. I have other people say, well, don't matter if the clock's there or not. I'm going to leave when I want to leave. It was so funny. It was so funny. I was pastoring in in Tyler, Texas. I tell these stories at times. and I was pastoring in Tyler, Texas, and I was pastoring there, and, and it was a football Sunday, and Dallas happened to be in the football game. It was the Super Bowl. But it was a football game. And back then, the football game started, I don't know, 12 o'clock or something like that. I think they've made them later now so they can get more people watching or something. But I'm sitting there preaching along, and God's moving. I don't know what time it was, but after people got up and left and looked at my clock, it was exactly 12 o'clock. Half the church got up and left. Was it something I said? 
I was new to Texas. I didn't know. They came back next Sunday. Everybody's all jazzed up. What happened last Sunday? Pastor, Dallas was in the bowl. Or Dallas was playing. I'm looking at them like you're looking at me. They said, Pastor in Texas, when Dallas is playing, every church understands. And they let the people go early. Tell you the true story. I was pastoring back there when Dallas was in the Super Bowl. Most of the churches didn't even have service. It's a different country. I know it's part of this country, but it's a different country. If you're from Texas, I love Texas, folks. I love Texas. I'd be pastoring right there right now if God wanted me there. But it's great. But they, they love their cowboys. After all, it is America's team. Oh, 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 I felt the daggers coming on that one. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. They call themselves America's team. Oh, okay, I'm done. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Mr. Mr. Patton, I better be careful what I say, shouldn't I? Okay. Okay, let's see. Let's get back. I lost everybody just for a second. What do I do when I develop a vision? Or what do I do to develop a vision? A vision simply is something beyond me that God births inside of me. A vision becomes a driving force that keeps me running, reaching, relying upon God and other people. Let me give you the perfect example. I was sitting thinking, how can I, how can I give a very clear picture of what it means to have a vision? And immediately God dropped in my heart, movie directors. Do you know that movie directors see the end of the movie before it ever makes a single frame of the screen? That's what their whole vision, that's what a director is about. Let's look at James Cameron. All all of us remember the movie Titanic. Most of us remember that. Maybe if you're into sci-fi stuff, you remember the movie Avatar. James Cameron made some incredible movies. But when you sit down and look at how the world did he, and God just dropped it in my heart, he had the vision. He had a vision for the movie. He saw what others couldn't or others wouldn't. This is what movie directors do. They see the movie, the vision, before it ever hits the screen. That's why movies like like the the uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings and and the movies like like uh, Narnia and different ones like that they can they can. Take and build uh, most of the Lords of the Ring, Lord of the Rings movies. They were all parts that were built that were all compiled at later dates because this movie director sits there and looks at that thing and he saw the end before he ever established the beginning. Can you say amen? amen. Sounds a little bit like Isaiah chapter 46 where God said, I made the end before I made the beginning. You see... In this, a director is willing to do whatever it takes to sacrifice different pieces and parts to bring the vision to fruition. They surround themselves. And once you hear this, please, if you are a person trying to develop a vision, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people or people that believe the way you do or the devil will use those people to undermine and ultimately destroy your vision. If you want to bring it to pass, here's four steps. I wanted to make this very succinct and very simple for us to understand. Four steps in uh, obtaining and maintaining a vision. First and foremost, you have to see it. 
You can never do anything you can't see. Talk about the Olympics. They see the goal. They see the, 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 the end before they ever uh, traipse in the beginning. I remember one of the stories that I read years ago about this one young man. He was a poor farmer, but he wanted to be the weightlifting champion of the world. He would take and he would go out and lift stones and rocks and he would go on pour, pour concrete and five gallon buckets and make all kinds of weights. He would get behind the cattle and the horses and he would have tug of wars just to make himself stronger. Why? He already saw himself as the strongest man in the world. And he said, I don't care what it takes to get there. I'm going to get there. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to see the vision. You have to see it. Many don't jumpstart their lives because there's nothing to jump to. They plot through life because they have what the rest of the world has, survival mode. You know what a visionary does? He peers into the future to generate the possibility first in his eyes. And then he brings other people along to help them see what he has already seen. Let me give you another perfect example. The greatest, one of the greatest uh, 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 artists of all time, uh, painters and sculptors of all time, Michelangelo. The records would say, history would say that he would look at a stone and he would study that stone. And people would ask him, say, Michelangelo, what are you looking for? He says, I see an angel in there and I'm trying to find a way to set him free. I'm trying to know which way to strike it first. There's an angel in the marvel, and I'm going to carve until I set him free. You see, his imagination already saw the masterpiece before his hands ever touched the work. Can you say amen? amen? The second thing that we have to do, and it's in your notes, folks. I want to leave it there. Is we have to step towards the vision. It's not enough just to see it. You've got to do something about it. You've got to step towards it. God's put something on your heart. Look at me. Get your eyes off the nose for a second. Look at me. Every single person in here has something God has placed on your heart. And it has woken you up at nights. It has, it has jumped out in the middle of your daytime. It has happened right in the middle of your job. It's happened in church. It's happened. You said, yeah. I, you know, but all of a sudden you put it aside because you think it's impossible. Can I tell you something? Nothing is impossible with God. And all things are possible to those that would believe. It's time for you to, to step up and step out into that vision. Some people see the vision, but they never step towards it. Part of the reason they can't summon the courage to overcome the fear and get the passion to go past the apathy. And consequently, the vision sits on the shelf until it spoils, or listen to this, until someone else does it. It has been said that a man by the name of Elijah Gray, several weeks before Alexander Graham Bell submitted the patent for the telegraph, realized that you could transmit voice over wire. It has been said that Elijah Gray, or the, the question is today is why is Elijah Gray anonymous and Graham Bell celebrated? Very simply, Gray dawdled putting his vision on paper. But then he made a sketch. But once again, he delayed taking it to the patent office. History records that when he finally made up his mind to go, he arrived literally two hours after Alexander Graham Bell applied for his patent. All because he would not step toward the vision. 
God gave my wife and I a vision of victorious life. He gave us a vision of Flagstaff. Folks, our, our vision is so much bigger than a church. It's so much bigger than four walls. It's so much bigger than a building. When we walked into this building that you see on the screen, I walked in there. You can ask my wife. The very first words that came out of my mouth, God's presence is still here. See, Mike Tinpenny started that church with Lamb of God so many years ago. Oh, it was just a building. It was just a shell. But he went in there. And the Bible says where two or more are gathered, I'm there. God's presence came into that building. And God's presence is still there. God said, I'm not done doing what I did. And I'm not going to let any devil of hell stop me from doing what I started. And so Mike and Becky are good friends of, of Jewel and I, and we're going back there. And when we do the grand opening that night, Mike and Becky Tenny Penny are going to be right there with us. They're going to be right alongside of us. Oh, they're not preaching. I'm going to preach. I told them, I said, I love you, Mike, but I'm preaching that night. But we're going to have Pastor Mike, we're going to have Pastor Becky come in there, and they're going to share. But they're going to see the vision of God did not die. We're going to step let me take you back to Graham Bell and Elisha Gray. And I want to make a statement, and I, I think I left it in your notes. If I didn't, you need to write it down. God's plan is always done, though God's will is not always done. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? If you will not align yourself with God's will, and it's his plan to do something, he'll just use somebody else. He'll use you. He'll use me. He'll use somebody else. God's got a plan. And his plan will be done. But his will is not always done. The third thing, and quickly, we have to see the vision. We have to step towards the vision. Third thing is a tough thing. Because we have to sacrifice for the vision. It may mean that you have to get a second job. It may mean you have to change your career. It may mean that you have to do all kinds of different things. Can I tell you something about a visionary? A visionary will bypass good at a shot of being great. A visionary will not fear failure. He'll only fear lost opportunity. And if he does fail, he will go out swinging. It has been said that, that uh, uh, oh, who's the guy that made the light bulb? Edison. It's been said that Edison, Edison, is that right? Edison. Thank you. It's been said that Edison was mocked because he had some 10,000 failures in creating the incandescent light bulb. When the people would, would interview him and ask him, what do you do about these 10,000 failures? He said, failures? I just proved 10,000 ways it didn't work. Amen. See, folks, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And part of that sacrifice is shutting down the naysayers. Did you know that the Bible tells me in the book of Isaiah that there is no weapon that's going to be formed against me that will prosper? That every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn for this is my heritage and my righteousness is of God. The work that I'm doing is of God and I'm stepping forth in the plan of God. But I have to be willing to sacrifice in my life to accomplish his plan. Can somebody say amen? And the fourth thing, real quick, is we have to seek help. Two years ago, 
Victorious Life had gotten to a certain place. And I thought, God, it should be nice to have some help. And I didn't realize the help was going to be in the form of a man that I've been a friend with for 25 years. But all of a sudden, God just opened the doors and, and Pastor Philemon came on board with us. You see, I understand that if we're going to accomplish something, it can't be about me. It has to be about we. There is no I in teamwork. And teamwork is the only thing that makes things work. The fact is, if you can achieve your vision alone, it's probably not God's vision. It's probably just yours. Can you say amen? Amen. See, our vision... Pretty simply for Victorious Life is locally, it's to affect the lives of our people that they can affect the lives of their people. Nationally and internationally, it's to affect the potential of a people's leaders with the hope that somehow I can affect the potential of the leader's people. We kind of put it very succinctly and very synoptically at Victorious Life. Save souls, equip the saints, build the kingdom. Our vision is to grow people. Why? Because the Lord wants us to make a difference. Can I say it again? The Lord wants us to make a difference. The Bible says, what good does it do to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? But commitment, it takes. Commitment, it takes to make a difference. Jesus said it like this. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace on the earth. Listen to me, church person. And I'll use that word purposely because I don't want to use the word Christian because Christian means Christ-like. That means I've dedicated, committed. And I believe most at Victorious Life, I could use the word Christian, but I want to use the word church person for a second. Because most of this, this is one of those passages that we scratch out. Look what Jesus said. He said, don't think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. You see, Christianity is not passivity. Christianity is not kumbaya. Christianity is not everybody getting along. And Christianity sure the heck is a political correctness. He said, look at this. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And then he gets right down to the nuts and bolts. He said, folks, it's my way or the highway. I got one amen and that was for my wife. It's my way or the highway. For I have come to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. You know what he's telling you? He's saying, as for you and your house, it's about me. It's about Jesus. we got to make a decision who we're going to serve. And he says, anyone that puts father, mother, son, daughter, anything more important than me is not worthy of me. Anyone that will not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Can I tell you the biggest reason we have a struggle as Christians to find the vision, to live the vision, to accomplish the vision is because it's not his vision we're looking at. It's ours. You see, when you know your heart's vision, 
When you know it's a God vision, then very simply you're asking, am I making a difference? Jesus wants us to make a difference. God in your life will make a difference in more than you. He'll make a difference in everything around you. Make a difference we can for God in this life if we choose to. If we choose to. If we choose to. Here are two statements that will help you find your vision. If I had, I would. The blanks are there for a reason. If I had all the money in the world, I would. If I had a degree, I would. If I had what? I would what? That is your vision. That is your vision. Because that's what you're pouring your whole life around is those two statements. That's what you're living your life for is those two statements. You see, very simply I could put it, if you had anything you wanted, unlimited time, unlimited money, unlimited information, unlimited staff, all the resources you could ask for, what would you do? Ladies and gentlemen, that is your vision. The answer to that question is your vision. It is the purpose and the passion and the pursuit of your life. What is it? Where's God in the middle of it? If God's not there, that's why you're not accomplishing it. Because you're trying to live two worlds. Christianity and the world. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters. Are you okay today? I set out in this message in these next three weeks, last week, this week, next week. I want to help us to understand your purpose for life. Why the heck are you here? I mean, you're all visiting from Tyler, aren't you? Yeah. You live in Tyler now. Yeah. We've been to Green Acres Baptist Church yet? Biggest Baptist church in town right there on the corner of Universe, or uh, what the heck was it? Broadway and Broadway and Vine. That's where it used to be. I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, they live in my old stomping grounds where I first started pastoring. Why are you here? Why? See, if you had, I would. I'm going to end my sermon there today. Don't freak out any of you calorics out there. You high Ds. Don't worry, I'll get back to it next week. That is your vision. I'm going to send you with homework. I'm going to ask you to answer that question. Oh, I'm not going to ask you to come before the church and have a little school report. But I'm going to ask you to answer that question because that's the vision you have for life. When you answer those two statements, if I had, I would then do this. God, are you in this? 
God's plan will be done with or without us. 2,000 years ago, there was nobody stopping Jesus. That was God's plan. But even Jesus had to deal with his will. He said, my spirit's willing. My flesh is weak. But he said, nevertheless, not what I want. See, my job as a pastor, and let me make a statement to you. Every church in this town, and if a pastor isn't do this, his pastor needs to ask why he's pastoring. My job as a pastor is to grow people. If you're a pastor, Pastor Philemon, his job is to grow people. Pastor Ray is to grow people. If you're a minister, if you're a, a man or a woman of God in this place, your job is to grow people. Your job is to get people from where they were to where they're going. And how do you do that? Through God's word. Very simple. And if a pastor has any other agenda, I'm going to get in trouble, but that's okay. I do that once in a while. He's nothing more than a hireling. Are you okay out there? He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to make people choose. I came to say, you're for me, you're against me. If I had unlimited anything, this is what I'd do. As the worship team comes, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we know it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. Leave those two statements up there, would you, Bob, please? They can do without the words for a minute. If I had, I would. If I had, I would. You know, Jimmy and Sarah Cody, I have come to love and appreciate this couple so much. You know, they travel thousands of miles for one reason, and that's to reach the native people. And I asked them, I said, well, brother, does, do you always have a room to stay in? Do, you always, do they put you up in a hotel? they give you love offerings? He said, no, most of the time Sarah and I stay in our truck. Oh, you talk about hitting me hard. They don't do what they do. If I had, you know what? I, I could fill in the blanks for Jimmy and Sarah. If I had another place to preach, I'll change the world. No dollar signs attached. No comforts attached. You want to have a vision? Answer those two questions, those two statements. Look at them. Pray before God and say, God, where am I in this? As the music begins softly and the words are still on there, I'm going to open the altars up. Bring the music down real soft for me. Victor, please bring the music really soft for me. I want heads bowed and eyes closed just for a minute. Because I believe the Spirit of God is moving across this congregation. And He's challenging you. Why do you do what you do? 
What is the purpose, the passion, the pursuit, the vision of your life? Up till now, it may not be that great. Don't you think today would be a great day to start to change it? And say, God, I want you right in the middle of it. I want you to be the center of it all. I want you to be the center of it all. I'm going to open these altars. And maybe God's challenging you. Don't sit there. Don't do, well, you're, that's what you've been doing about vision the whole time. You've just been sitting there. I'll, another time, another opportunity, another day, another hour. How many days, how many hours go by? Hezekiah got before God and said, I don't want to die. God gave him 15 years. As you read about it, some think it was good, some think it was bad. But guys, we may not have 15 years. We may not have 15 minutes. We don't know what our life is. Where's God? If you had unlimited anything, what would you do? God, thank you. God, thank you. God, thank you. grace made a way where there was no way. These altars were open. God's challenging you. It's time to make a decision. Oh, this doesn't mean you're doing wrong. This doesn't mean your heart's not right with God. All this simply means is, God, I want to put you in the middle of what I'm doing. I want to put you in the middle of what I'm doing. God today, move in our lives, move in our hearts. People are coming. People are coming. You need to come. God, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. God, the truth is we want you. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Your will be done in our lives. God, that in the lives of others. God, that we can see their lives change because they see something different in us. Thank you for it, Father. Mercy reigns. Amazing grace. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. 
Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. We're